Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 103 of the North Meet South web podcast. There we are. There we are. Episode 103. Do you know what today is in America, my friend? You guys are already past it. It is... What are we? It is 9-11. Is it the 20th anniversary? It is 9-11. 20th anniversary. It yes. It? Yes, it is. Indeed. So we put our American flag still, out um, today. And, I still remember yeah. where I was at the time. Yeah. Um, I was in, I think I was in ninth grade, um, and I was actually part of a, like a talent show night. It was like uh, the the like the year twelve theater production. It was the like my ninth grade rock band. It was the senior rock band. Like it was just like a talent thing, and so I was at that when you know everything was going down. Um, and it wasn't until I woke up in the morning and, and the TV was on and was watching it. it was like, is is this real? Like, this is just all kinds of bizarre. Yeah. And like, you know, that was that was the first time I had in that I could recall, the first time that I had experienced anything like that in my lifetime. Um, so I was, how old was I, 14, 15? Yeah, right. It'd be 14. Yeah, yeah, fourteen or fifteen, depending on what time of year. Like it wasn't the freshman year, probably. Yeah, yep. Mm. Crazy man, it was crazy indeed. Um, I was trying to explain it to my kids today because they're like, "What is what? Why? Mm. Why is why are these all these huge American flags all over the place? Whatever." I'm like today's nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Like, What's nine eleven? I'm like, "Oh my word, have we never talked mm-hmm. about this?" And so I tried to explain it to them without scaring them too much because they're like, "Oh, that would never happen now, would it?" I'm yeah. like, "Yeah, we hope not. Like we hope that wouldn't happen, right?" Um, but yeah, be very different, right? It'd be someone, you know, starting a global pandemic on purpose. Yeah, right. Something like that. Yeah. You listen to the, any, a couple Mm. of those folks out there, they'd say that would be the case. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So not, not that I'm suggesting it is, but like, that's the kind of thing now it wouldn't be, Yeah, right. Right, you know, it wouldn't be 3000 people in, in a couple of buildings in New York. It would be a biological weapon of some sort. That would take out, you know, I saw there was a tweet. There was, you know, there were more people died of the coronavirus in the US on 9-11 than died on 9-11 in those two buildings. So it's, uh, it's wild, man. Like I remember, yeah, I was in ninth grade as well. And so I remember we were, had history class first hour and they found out like kind of what was going on first hour and so they stopped the class and they started the t- they turned the TV on and then we never turned it off the whole day and we all met in like the like uh, the auditorium area and we all just put the TV put a TV up on the front and watched it all day it was crazy couldn't believe it it was very yeah. wild it was surreal yeah. and then it was like it very quickly was like it was like we were going to war and then you know, all that stuff went going went down. It was crazy. Yeah. Crazy times, man. So still there. Still there. Yeah. Well. Or not there or trying to get out of there. I don't know. It's, it's a not. huge mess. It's a massive mess. Dude, I don't mm. I don't know. It's you know, and then you've got people who fall on different sides of that. I mean, it's like it's unfortunate because it's like we were there for twenty years and, you know, did a lot of stuff and achieved nothing. And um then you know it's like you can't be there forever sort of deal so i get like the the push to want to bring people home but it just seems like there was a lot of missteps along the way and a lot of people left behind which sucks pretty badly too so yeah it's unfortunate Mm. i mean like it just seems the world's like such a messy place right now you know i've talked to a couple people who just like 
I don't know. They're like constantly anxious because um, they're so worried about like what's going to happen or whatever. And so, mm. yeah, man, like I, I have, well, you know, be, America goes yeah. in there to, to fight the Taliban and ends up arming them and, uh, you know, leaving all of that military hardware yep. there. So yeah, that's what happened with uh, the Soviet Please Union. Stop spreading too. Your democracy to the rest of the right? world. Remember, dude, that's what happened with the Soviet Union as well. I think like they went into Afghanistan and then left all the stuff behind. And then that's where the, Taliban got their stuff mm. to fight the Americans the first time, I guess. It was, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Kind of crazy, man. So, yeah, lots of stuff going on. You know, I I, um, I happen to be a man of faith. And, like, I feel like if I was not, I feel like I would definitely be, like, certain different people cope different ways, right? But, like, for me, that's, like, that's the thing that sort of allows me to be able to not be as anxious, I think, right? The, the idea that there's, like, a larger plan, right? And there's, like, everything happens for a purpose. Everything happens for a reason sort of deal. Um. But if I didn't have that, right, a, a pretty solid belief and like in, in those sorts of things, I, I can imagine that, yes, I would in in fact as well be super nervous all the time. And not to say that I'm not, right? Not to say mm. that like I'm completely immune from that sort of thing. But um, but yeah, I think some of it, you know, that helps to t- sort of temper some of it, I suppose. But yeah, the world is a crazy place right mm. now, man. And it's like the unfortunate part is I don't really see it getting any less crazy anytime soon, um, you know. No, so. it's um, it's it's weird. I was reading Matt Stauffer sent out his September newsletter, and um, for those of you who aren't subscribed, he was basically talking about uh, a, a childhood friend that had passed away, um, and he went, you know, he went up to Michigan to to sort of catch up with people that he hadn't seen sure, for a long yeah. time, and being told by like one of his middle school teachers to take ivermectin, and it's like, I said to him that your future generation is ruined because of people like that in the positions that they're in spreading that kind of information to, you know, kids. Mm. And like, it, you know, it's bad enough when it's the teachers, but you just read about it. Um, certain parts of not just, you know, the U S we, we've got that kind of harebrained stupidity coming in down here as well, where it's like, what are you? What kind of world are we setting up for our future? Like you know, at the previous generation, with the industrial age and all of that, and all the pollution that's in the air, and you know, burning fossil fuels and all of that kind of stuff. Like the planet is ruined from a from an ecological perspective, in terms of the damage that we've done to the environment. And so you know, we come along and we we're trying to rash, rationalize that and. And sort of work towards fixing it. But the people that kind of created that situation are still around in enough numbers and in enough positions of, um, you know, authority and and um, influence that they kind of keep pushing that out. And so, you know, we're trying to fight that fire, but then we've got the misinformation and the you know, distrust in authority and in public health officials and things like that, where we have this huge movement of anti-vaccination and and conspiracy theories around, you know, Bill Gates wanting to control people with 5G chips that they're injecting in right. vaccines and all of this kind of, like, if you were to sit back objectively and to, like, read that in a book, you know, a fiction or see a movie, like you'd look at that and you go, that's crazy. But there are people in this world, in the real world that believe this stuff and not just 
Like there are some people that, you know, believe it because they read it online and things like that. But there are people that genuinely believe this kind of stuff and are spreading Dude, it. Dude, I know and, some of them. I know just, some of these people, which is like, like I, I know like some people relatively closely, not super closely. I've sort of distanced myself from some of that. But yeah, like people that I've known for a long time that mm-hmm. like, it's like, wow, man, I, I don't know. You do wonder, like, kind of where does that come from? It seems like it almost can happen to anybody, not to anybody. Like, it's, it depends on who you surround yourself with, mm-hmm. I suppose, some of it. But you, but you don't know, right? You don't know who yeah. is going to be subjected to True. that. And it's like, I, I do um, also, I sort of get some of the distrust of, like, the media in general. Like, it's like, you know, we've mm-hmm. had, we've for so long, the me- media now has just sensationalized everything. Right. It's even like some of the things that are like some of my the media is not about telling the news. No. It's about yeah, selling correct. Selling. Totally. So like I get some of the distrust of <clears throat> of a media and like whatever. Like I think for me, one of the things that I would say that has caused That's more our fault. damage Sorry. than good. Rupert Murdoch's our fault. Ooh, what's that now? We're responsible for that idiot. Rupert Murdoch, the whole oh, Fox Empire. Sure. It's kind of our fault. Sorry. Um, but you know, like the whole idea that like, um, like the helicopter parenting and like your kids aren't safe anywhere, sort of like you can't let your kid walk down the street. Like I blame a lot of that on like Mm -hmm. sensationalized media where it's like, you know, every, everything that happens with the kid is now like spread across the news and to the point where it's like, you think it's way more common than it is, right? Like violence against children is at an all time low, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's the way, you know, in the Mm fifties when kids were like riding their bikes, miles at the age of like seven away from home you know what i mean like they had like their run of the neighborhood you know no big deal yeah. um violence against kids was way yeah. way higher than it is now and so um but that's mm-hmm. like a direct result of like the media and well, the violence like, was different though right um back then the violence was more parents against their own children than strangers against children i think <laughs> like, dude, you know, dude there was that was not that was so even a thing so like them. violence against children like you know, I, you listen back to like different comedians and stuff. They'll be like, "Man, like if you were if you were a, uh, you know, if you were misbehaving in the in the grocery store, somebody you know somebody else would grab you and give you a swat. Like if your parent wasn't around, like that's yeah. I mean that's just yeah. how it was, right? Like everybody raised everybody's kids, sort of mm-hmm. deal. So, um, but yeah, yeah like I, I think like that whole idea that like kids have to be you know sheltered from everything or like really really you, know, you can't let your kids out of your sight mm-hmm. until they're like 15 years old sort of deal i don't I, I think some of that's like blamed on the media so i i get like some of the distrust of the media but like that whole you know the whole bill gates like 5g whatever like that's a whole other thing right um well i mean why does bill gates care <laughs> where you are <laughs> dude some people are like some people say like the like, like all the birds all the birds are fake they I've, i literally know somebody who says that like the government kills killed birds a long time ago and every bird that you see is actually like a government spy drone thing like they said this out loud to me like they believed it i was like no like and there's no arguing with them there's no arguing with these people right it's not a oh my word it's just crazy so you wonder what goes on in the minds of some of those folks so yeah i mean and you know then yeah. they, with social you can't media argue them which, because they turn it around on you like you're yeah. the crazy person with the, ad, like, what are you with the advent of social the media man. you can no. find people that agree with you right then oh. you can find people in in large and numbers that you feel like bias. correct exactly so yeah man i don't know i don't know it's tough it's tough do your research jake do your research yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and by research, they obviously mean they saw someone else that had the same stupid opinion as them. And so, look, this other person that posted a blog on or a video on YouTube believes the same stupid thing that I do. And so because they can post on YouTube, we should take them at their word. 
Yeah, you should check the out doctors. What are the doctors birds aren't to real. gain from killing everyone? Birds aren't real. Keep people alive. Yeah. If everyone's dead, <laughs> birds aren't birds aren't real. Dot com. That's the that's the that's the site. Join the movement. <laughs> it looks like something that it almost is like a meme. Like somebody like made a big joke about it, and then like a bunch of people started believing it. It's mm. and then it just kind of took a life of its own. It's kind of crazy. Anyway, anyway. Hey, should we talk about some PHP stuff? I mean, hey, I, I, hope, I hate to leave everybody with like mm. such heavy, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's sort of, yeah. man, alive. Like everybody doesn't have enough to worry about. This is sort of like an escape, a distraction, right? For everybody to be like, okay, like I've got enough stuff going on mm-hmm. in my life. I just want to hear about some PHP stuff and we're just, you know, bringing it all yeah. on. So, hey, folks, I promise, you know what? There's, there's lots of cool things to be hopeful about too. Like, for example, PHP 8.1, right? That's coming out soon. Uh, it's going to be pretty cool. Lots of cool stuff with PHP 8.1. Um, Michael, have you played with PHP 8 at all even? Have you messed with any PHP 8 stuff? PHP 8, yes. 8.1, not yet. I'm really excited about the, cool yeah, the null um, uh, null safe operator. Right, It replaces like optional. So if you have an object and mm-hmm. you chain a method onto it or something. Um, yeah, I love using that. Yeah. Never mind checking to see if anything exists. Just lazily exactly, go. Exactly correct. Yeah, and I they've found question like, mark arrow, question mark arrow, question mark question mark. False. Yes, all that good stuff. So um, I actually used the Elvis operator just this last week, which was kind of fun. I used that on occasion. Right? It's like a ternary, but it's like you check the value of the uh, question mark question mark equals. Uh, no, no, no. That's that's a null coalesce. The Elvis operator is question the mark null coalesce, question yeah, mark no. colon. Where normally you'd say like check this truthy mm. value and then question mark is yeah. if it's true shorthand colon ternary. yeah so it's ternary operator but like the, the question mark colon with nothing in between it it means if the value is set in the first one just keep just return that value otherwise assign this other value so um, mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's that's kind of handy too so anyway but no PHP eight one has like enums and stuff like first class like enums which is really really cool so. Uh, Spassi's enum mm-hmm. package won't be uh, as needed anymore. Is it PHP 8 that has all those fancy things in the constructor like now where you can assign like public properties in the in like without having to assign them separately? Yeah. Can you do so that in PHP 8? There's, there's um, constructor property promotion. Yes, that's what it is. It's where, so you can do like public string dollar name or protected protected model whatever that's in php 8 yes i haven't used that at all so we can already do that now um php 8.1 brings the ability to instantiate empty objects so you could do you know protected um user dollar user equals new or you know user colon colon well i suppose it'd have to be new user so that you know you've got that null object pattern that you know that you can put that directly into your constructor whereas in php 8 you'd have to use the constructor property promotion for all of your properties and then you would have to have a body just to set the the null object inside of the constructor body so it's just you know streamlining that process as well um or you know being able to resolve things out of the container i think will be possible with with that that as well so yeah this is i think I could be wrong. Yeah, here. this. Um, I don't think you can call arbitrary methods. I think it's specifically like new object that you can do in the constructor. Gotcha. Yeah, like you, you could write a DTO really easily. Um, 
with this with mm-hmm. these constructor property promotion stuff because instead of having to write like public string name public stream email plug public date time immutable birthday and then public function construct and then yeah. passing them all in and then assigning them all you can just do it one shot and you're done right and so it's mm-hmm. a really 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 simple dto yeah. just like define the method define the properties yeah. and, that's, and it, the na- that's it yeah and even better that you can do like read-only properties as well in php 8.1 so that makes mm-hmm. that dto even more valuable yes, very, very true and i use dtos a lot um especially for for then ping me we use them a lot to to handle the ingest of incoming payloads because yeah, yeah. we, we're just getting json but being able to work with a real object and have some safety around what is in that object and how it how it's behaving so as soon as as soon as we get that json payload we convert it to a dto and then we pass that around everywhere rather than working with json so michael for those who, for those who are the uninitiated you want to tell us what a DTO is? So DTO is a data transfer object, and it's it's essentially a way to encapsulate the structure of some arbitrary data within your application. So in a similar way to how eloquent models are a representation of your database record, a DTO is a representation of an object of of some um of some measure of your application. So we have, for example, a a ping data object. And that encapsulates the project data object. So we've got a project and we've got a task. And so within that, we could say like the task has an expression. It has a start time and end time. It has a runtime. It has a memory usage, all of these things that, that are there. And then we can, we can type each of those properties mm-hmm. so that like, the the runtime is always a float. The expression is always a string so that we have some safety about what's coming into the application. And then we can compose other DTOs using these DTOs. The sparsity package that you mentioned allows you to sort of type um, properties as another DTO and it will handle constructing that that object for you. Um, but it just gives you some safety around knowing what is and isn't going to be there whereas if you have a json object you've got to use data get for example in laravel you've got to do the the checks to see you know it does this property exist and if it doesn't convert it to null and things like that whereas the dto it handles all of that as soon as that hits your application and that way you know you're passing through something that your application understands in a consistent manner Um, and so that comes as i said directly from the incoming JSON payload all the way through our application, all the way through all the processing pipeline right until we throw that at the database. So we've just got a, a method on the model that's like ping from object, uh, from from ping um, or we've got, you know, like task from ping and that way we know that we pass in the ping data and we can extract out all of the the bits that we need to then map that to a, to a database record and then return an eloquent model. So it's just around... You know, handle rather rather than passing around arbitrary strings right. or arbitrary integer values or you know arbitrary things that don't really have any context or or structure of their yeah. own. Right. Instead of typing type hinting like this is an array, it's like well I'm way deep in the application now. So like what exactly is that? And mm-hmm. so instead of having to dig all your way back through to the top layer to figure out oh that's that JSON object coming in, as soon as it comes in you just serialize it and. Uh, uh, into or I guess serialize it, deserialize it. What, what would we? I think you'd. 
and you would construct a DTO. We're just passing the object <laughs> yeah, around. Just create, create mm-hmm. a DTO out of it yeah. and then start passing that yep. around. So at the very edge, at the very edge of your application, you say, this is a DTO. It now belongs to me and I know what this is all the way through. And then you can type it all the way through. And then things like yeah. PHP Stan, whatever, can pick up yeah. on that too. Um, which up to this, up till just, you know, I think Nuno's talk, I was like, PHP Stan, and eh, we haven't really done anything with it. But like, in, in talking about that, what he showed was like, which I thought was interesting is he was like, if you change, what did he say? In order to be able to test something in your PHP application, you have to have it touch every class or every spot where something is at, right? And with PHP Stan, it scans it all, regardless of if it's in a test or not, right? And so mm-hmm. if you have some of those types, yeah. it, can, it can give you things that are going to error at runtime or have the possibility of erroring at runtime um mm-hmm. ahead of ahead of even writing a test form which is pretty cool uh and then he talked about those generics and yeah. stuff which i never understood either um until he explained those as well uh, and that was really interesting too mm-hmm. how like even in like a collection you can specify or in an array you can specify here's the type of object that you can expect to be a part of that and if i ever return other something other than that like something like a map statement or whatever i can tell you yeah that's not going to work you can't do that so Man, that's really, really cool yeah. stuff. Really, really cool. So uh, on some of our bigger applications, ones that are a little bit more like important that they're really right. I mean, it, yeah, it's important that all your applications are right, but there are other applications that are more important that they're right than others, if you know what I mean. Like if you're just, if it's just a little yeah. internal app that's like, you know, I want to see when I should clock out today based on like, this is how many hours I have and this is when I'm going to take my, you know what I mean? We have a little thing like that actually. Actually, um, it tells people like, here's the command you should tell Siri in order to let you, in order to remind you when to clock out sort of deal. <laughs> that We're not writing mm-hmm. tests for that, right? Like probably not. Like it's just doing it. Yeah. But like it's, if it's the application that accepts payments and, and sets up recurring payments for people, it's like, that's a little bit more important, right? So you want to, you want to mm-hmm. do something like mm-hmm. that, like PHP stand or like you want to, you know, it's, it's maybe a little bit um, more advantageous to be using types and things like that in that situation. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been finding even in in like my day day job, which is old PHP, just just putting in the dog box just helps to sort of give a bit of structure in terms of like knowing what I'm going to get back because sometimes some of these functions that I'm calling are huge and it's not always clear what's coming out of them. And I've been there seven months now and still there's bits and pieces that I haven't seen before, bits and pieces that I haven't interacted with or, or used. So being able to kind of see at the point that I'm using it, what it's doing or what, what I can expect it to be doing is, is helpful. Um, and I, I know that I've always been like against the idea of typing and, and static analysis and all of that stuff that like makes your editor better. Um, but I think I'm coming around to it. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> it's like, I feel like the tide is shifting a bit. The fact, the fact that, uh, there was a talk mm. about it, from one of the like Laravel employees at Laracon makes me think like, hmm, okay. Like, and in, in Laravel nine, yeah. there's going to be those generics like in the doc blocks and stuff makes me think that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to say that stuff. Like it's a, it's a, it's an overhead because it doesn't exist in the language. It's an overhead to have to go and put all those doc blocks in to, you know, to go and set all that stuff. And, and some, the some syntax around how you how you document that kind of stuff um, to say that like this isn't just an array, but this is an array that contains an integer key and a string value, and then being able to get that feedback straight away so that you can detect those kind of edge casey issues in your application is is handy. Um, but 
but as I said, it's it's still an overhead to add all that stuff and you have to remember to add it and you have to like and if, if someone else is not using an editor that knows what to do with it, then it's not going to provide any value there at all to to those people. Um, you know, if you're using PHP Storm, which which I know a lot of people do do use, then of course it's gonna it's just gonna work out of the box. Um, you know, VS Code and, and Vim and things like that, they can be instructed how to deal with that and the LSP stuff that's in VS Code and 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 NeoVim, it it does understand that and it picks it up. And then you've got things like um, Ale that can run PHP stand and give you that kind of feedback straight away is is helpful, you know, to understand what's happening in your application. Except when those things go haywire because of the way your application is wired, and I get told all the time that like this object doesn't exist. I know it exists. You just can't see it in the workspace. So. I think it helps more than it than it yeah. hurts. Um, you know, there's the stuff that I've been doing recently, like the the next version of the then then ping me Laravel package is going to be fully typed. Like we're going to target PHP eight for it, so it's going to have types everywhere. It's it's going to go you know off the off the deep end on that regard in terms of that. Um, and it's just because that kind of stuff. Like it's not a it's not a consumable package. We don't expect our users to ever have to interact with the code right. itself. So, you know, we do have final classes and things like that in there because, you know, please don't extend this and, and do anything to manipulate the payload because it'll cause it'll issues. Yeah, but exactly. Um it, it is valuable from a from a development perspective. So So uh I had a fun uh thing happen this week um let's see it must have been mm-hmm. thursday night yeah it was thursday night so one of the companies that i help out spread truth they have this um they have this site out there that's been out there for probably six years seven years and it was just like an uh i had od or monitoring uptime for it just like monitoring hey is it good mm-hmm. Are the certificates good is there any mixed content whatever and it would just stay up and then it would like go down for two minutes and then it'd come back up and then 10 minutes later, it'd go down for another minute and then it'd come back up and then it'd go down. So it was like just flapping, right? Like up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down mm-hmm. for like two days. And I was like, they were like, hey, can you take a look at this? I looked at DigitalOcean. They were having some problems. And I was like, hey, that looks like DigitalOcean's having some problems. Don't worry about it. They're like, okay, well, just, you know, I'll let you know. And so the next day, they're like, mm-hmm. hey, looks like, you know, everything's still happening. I was like, let me check DigitalOcean again. And sure enough, DigitalOcean was resolved. I'm like, that's weird. Well, it's an old server. They're running PHP 5.6, Laravel 5.4. Like, so, all right, shifted it, you know, Laravel 8, PHP 8, set up a new server, threw it on there. Works great. Okay, switch it over, switch over DNS, no problem. 20 minutes later, crashed. Crashed out, same problem. (laughs) What the heck? And so I go in and look at the uh, droplet and the CPU is pegged at 100% and it's just stuck, mm. just sitting there. What is going on? So I type top and see like MySQL is taking up 193% of the processor resources. Okay. So restart the service and it starts out at like 30%. And then, then you can see the CPU just go 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, mm-hmm. like over a 20 minute period. So I'm like, okay, obviously it's a query. Yeah. So then I then I just uh, put in in this MySQL like conf D thing, like this slow query logger to say like, if there's anything that takes more than like two mm-hmm. seconds, like tell me about it, like log what query it is. 
So I found out they have this statistics board that like shows all real-time stats for all of their visits, for all of their like records, database records for like anything ever that's ever happened. Well, they have like 6 million records on this one table and they're hitting it every minute and Mm -hmm. doing this insanely inefficient query. Like, and so you watch and like those queries are taking like 13 seconds, 24 seconds, 16 seconds. And like, they're hitting them all. They're hitting all at the same time every minute. And before they're even finished, it's asking mm-hmm. for them again, right? And it's asking for them again. And so I was like, all right, well, yeah. I'm going to have to turn off your... Uh... It's when you start running out of connections Exactly. As well. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's a great point too. And so I was just like, I just went into the API.php and just commented all those routes and restarted my SQL service. And then I was like, okay, let's see what happens. The, the CPO is rock solid at 5%. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so anyway... I've got some uh, queries to refactor. And uh, I actually, that was that was sort of like the other question is I'm like, I doubt that like the most efficient way to do this is to like hit the database every five minutes, you know, every minute and have it query the entire database again. Like, you know what that statistic is like from the last time you queried it. And if it yeah. hasn't changed, then it hasn't changed, whatever. But like, I was almost, you know, um, Spassi has this stats uh, thing that you can do where you like basically you dispatch events right uh specific events like there's mm-hmm. like a, a statistic event and then it'll just increment or decrement a, a, it just increments yeah and decrements, exactly yeah. and then you just ask that table so you say like hey statistics for whatever give me this and so you could start out with like a statistics like you could basically query it and get the statistics that you wanted and then you could say okay now from now on only ever increment or decrement and then if you wanted to get those stats then it would just be like you know, grab that list of stats from that table and, and you should be yeah. all set. Um, so I'm thinking about doing something else like that. I was originally thinking like, well, I'll just cache everything in, in Redis and um, and then you do, you know, increment decrement on Redis stuff. Uh, but I was like, eh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do something different. The other thing is like some of them are like mm-hmm. map points. So it's not just a specific, it's not just like an integer value. It's like you need to know, hey, all the visits that happened within the last 24 hours, I want like a Latin longitude point that i can plot on a map right and so um mm-hmm. those ones take a little bit longer and as i was looking at the queries it's still querying the entire database of six million but then it's filtering it down like after the fact so some of it's just how the database queries are written um yeah and so it's like they're almost they're, they're querying it and then they're doing a collection loop after the fact or something stupid you know mm-hmm. um yeah Bad for memory. Yeah, so I don't know. Like that's where, like, trying to load six million records into memory and then feel yeah, them. not not great. Yeah, not great. And so I'm almost wondering if something like, um, you know, a scout uh, or you know something like that wouldn't help to find where some of those things are. Now, like, I've got to narrow down. Like, I know what routes are getting hit that are doing that, but I, I'm curious mm-hmm. if something like that wouldn't have caught it sooner. It would have been like, hey, by the way, you have a really slow query running here. You should probably take a look at this. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, the thing with the slow query log um, is that it's great to have it, but you need to review it periodically to see what is actually slow. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't tell you where it's happening. It just, you, like, just know know the, you just know that it's, you know, you know the query, you know the query that's getting run, but you don't know where it's at, right? It doesn't yeah. pinpoint it in your code. Yeah. Yeah. So for that, I would I would figure out what the slow queries are and then figure out if you can optimize them. Um, either by you know just rewriting the queries to be more efficient, like that one that's pulling out the whole data set and then filtering it. You know, filter that to the last twenty four hours. Um, is it is it crucial that that dashboard refreshes every sixty seconds? 
Um, yeah, not a chance. No, maybe doesn't matter. maybe push out the interval to like five yeah, minutes or that's something. A good idea. Um, cache cache the responses, like just cache the value, especially if you've got multiple people, right? If if it's open on your on your computer and it's taking ten seconds to run a query, and there's ten ten of those on the page, there's ten. 10 queries by 10 seconds hitting the database at once. But if I open that same page, you know, yeah. then it's 20 queries taking 10 seconds. And for every single person that has that open, it's just the same thing. And it just collapses your database. And then the next, you know, the 60 seconds ticks over and it, and it tries to do it again. Um, so yeah, definitely I would look at, I would look at caching the responses because the, only the first person needs to hit the database. Yeah, I do. I do have some of those wrapped in because like a cache. The data is yeah. the same for you and for right, me. Exactly. Like if 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 you're if you're querying the database and I'm querying the database at the same moment, the data you get back and the data I get back shouldn't change. I mean, it doesn't matter if it if it's the same. You know, yeah. uh, you don't need the variances there. If you know you're looking at that kind of thing, then certainly just cache the responses. You, you probably don't need to refresh every minute. It's not critical. You know, it's not like someone's sitting there and expecting a different value every sixty seconds. So. Uh, caching on those kinds of things, optimize the queries. I wouldn't, you know, I probably wouldn't spring for Scout just now if it's like just this one thing. You know that it's the dashboard, you know it's the API endpoints. So now that you've got the slow query log, I'd go and look at the queries and then run some explains over it, figure out mm. what indexes you can add. Yeah, so tell me, that would speed I've it never up. used explain actually. What's, uh, what's talk, talk to me about that a little bit. So, any query that you write, select and update, delete, doesn't matter. You can prefix the query with the explain keyword. So if I said select, micro, if I said select uh, star Microsoft. from visits, I would say explain mm-hmm. select star from visits. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. So just take that query and, and and stick explain at the front okay. of it, and it'll and it'll run a explain over it. What the explain does is basically gives you back the query planner output from your database engine that tells you like what it's trying to do. And how it's going to go about doing it, um, and like Jonathan Rennick goes into it in his eloquent performance patterns course. He uses it. I don't think he. I don't think he talks specifically about explain as a tool, but explain is really good to to figure out. Like, given the query that I'm running, how many records is it trying to filter? What indexes is it or is it not trying to use? Um, you know, does it have dependent subqueries? Dependent subqueries are not necessarily a bad thing. Like if you're doing a, a select exists, for example, that's going to have a dependent subquery and that's, you know, fine. Those kinds of queries. It depends on what's what the inner part of the query is and whether that's efficient. Um, you know, it'll tell you if there's no indexes being used. It'll tell you if it's trying to do a table sort. Like if it's creating a temporary table, you know that you want to try and optimize that query because a temporary table is, is going to be slow. Mm. If it's doing a range scan... You know all of these kinds of things that that it will that it will show you, and then it, like it takes a bit of doing to figure out how to understand what is returning to mm-hmm. you. But once you sort of understand what it's doing, you can then look at how you can optimize those queries. Um, not not necessarily rewriting the queries, you know, to make them more efficient. That is part of it, but certainly looking for opportunities to index. You know, if you've got a query that's running. And it tells you it's not using any indexes. If it shows you that you've got like an index or three indexes or whatever on that table, 
but it's telling you it's not using those indexes, then look to, you know, either re-index that table based on the queries that you are actually running. The solution to slow database queries is seldom just index more columns. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to you have to be indexing the correct columns. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we had this in Den, in Denping Me, where we had the a page. If you had if you had a task that ran any quicker than hourly, so if it was running every 10 minutes, 15 minutes, every half hour, um, every minute, catastrophically, um, it just wouldn't return the query. Like it would never return the response because the query was inefficient. It was not using an index. And, you know, we didn't notice it. I didn't notice it earlier um, because we didn't have the the scale of data. But now we're tens of millions of records in there. And so when you're trying to pass through that for specific things, it's it's a bit slow. So, you know, I ran an explain. Once I figured out which query on the page it was, ran an explain over it, figured out, you know, what what was actually being queried and how we were querying that data. And it was a matter of playing around with the indexes until such time as like it went from a, a Lambda timeout, so 30 seconds or whatever it was configured at, um, to returning the full result set in less than 500 milliseconds. Yeah, that's crazy. Like That's a pretty good improvement. So it's, yeah. And, and so, you know, databases are very efficient at, believe it or not, querying for data. Yeah. That's, that's what they're made to do. So try and leverage them as much as possible. And, and there's a lot of um, reservation, I think, around querying the database. And that largely stems from having worked with older versions of MySQL. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've been on MySQL 5.5 or whatever for a long period of time and suddenly you're like, let's upgrade. You know, let's go to MySQL 5.7 or let's go to MariaDB 10 or whatever. And it's like, you know, we've got we've got new MySQL, it's better. Sure, it might do some things better, more efficiently. It'll probably mess you up with its strictness. Yes, that is. Especially if you're going to MySQL 5.7 yeah. from MySQL 5.5 then strict mode is going to cause you issues. Mm-hmm. Um, those things aside, modern MySQL, modern MariaDB, Postgres for any time in the last 20 years because <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's better. Um, I've not used it, but I, I know from lots of people that, that have used it that it is just objectively better. It is, it is proper SQL. It's like ANSI SQL as opposed to MySQL, which is its own spin on things. Um. Don't just upgrade to MySQL and think all of your problems are going to go away. You you want to sort of review. And and modern MySQL engines are much better at running queries that you might have previously been scared of running. You know, they're better at doing joins. They're better at processing indexes. They're, they're better at running things like a where-in. You know, if you're doing, and, and I've run across this in several places in, in my day job, where we have n plus one issues where it's like get all of these records and then for each of those records go and query some other piece of data yeah, yeah. and so it's and we're, we're using you know raw sql so i'm writing actual queries here but it's like putting it into the same way that you know an orm would do uh-huh. it. it's like get all of the top record and then find all of those ids yep, where and then go ID. and find all yep. the corresponding things based on those ids right Oh, but we can't use a where in because it's inefficient. Well, 
No. <laughs> Wherein is incredibly efficient. It's they wouldn't have this thing in the database that is like designed to do this exact thing that you're trying to do. If it was going to be terrible, at yeah. Like, it. what's the other option? What's the other? What's the alternative? Mm-hmm. The, well, I, I'm yeah. Do oh, they have we don't want to do a join. Well, if you don't want to do a join and you don't want to do a where where in, um, and and it's demonstrably slower to query the database fifty times for the fifty records that, you've got on this yeah, page. Then what option are you leaving yourself? Do you want it to be? Uh, and I'm like. You know, here's this page that was taking 30 seconds to load. It now takes three seconds to load and has all of the data there. I don't understand what the issue is. What if what if there's like thousands of things here? All right, we'll cross that bridge when yeah, we get exactly. to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, suppose like I suppose uh, a 27 second improvement. Because you put up with this for 10 years. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you put up you've put up with this for 10 years. I have fixed it by rewriting your queries in such a way that it is now efficient. And like I think. Aaron Francis was talking about this on that on his on the Hammerstone podcast. I think the limit for a where in is like five thousand IDs or something. Okay, it's like well, how often is that going to be an issue? Sure. How often? How often are you paginating five thousand records and then needing to query five thousand other things from that page? Yeah, yeah. You know? probably not too often. Um, so you know those kinds of things. Uh, I was going to say something else. Yeah, don't be, don't be afraid to join, you know, the database provided you've got the correct indexes and you're writing the correct queries. Don't be afraid to join. Don't, don't return more things than you need. Yeah. As far um, as like, as far as like, typically um, like select star, you're saying just like, uh, columns, right? So like when you say like select star, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah, so you say select star. So like you can actually say select and then particular columns that you want, right? Don't return everything if you only need. Yeah. So if you're. Yeah, if you're if you're listing out all of your application users, by default, Laravel, if you do it like a user paginate 20, whatever, Laravel will do select star from users, um, order by ID ascending, limit zero comma twenty. And on this page, you're displaying the first name or you're displaying the name, the email address. And you're linking to an edit page, right? Three bits of data. Uh, at 20 records, it's probably not that big of an issue. At, at 100 records, you know, if you want to display 100 on a page, like all of that. And and not to, not only that, but you've got, you know, Eloquent is building up an object for each of these things. Right, so it's like hydrating, objects it's on the hydrating page, all those different memory. objects in memory. Yeah, exactly. It's hydrating all of those objects and, and all of that stuff. But you're only displaying the name and the email address on the page. And you need the ID to be able to link to the edit page or the view page or whatever. Then just select ID, comma name, comma email. Like there's no reason to select star, especially if you start joining things. You don't, you know, select star from users, join posts, join comments. We've well, got three tables there, and you've got twenty fields, but you're only wanting to display a count of the comments, the number of posts, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, there's a, there's a lot of things like people have a lot of reservations around like PHP not being the quickest language and and PHP not being able to scale and all of that kind of nonsense where the the bottleneck for the majority of applications that I have seen and that I've worked on is not going to be the language even even though we're using PHP you know 5. Point whatever 
the bottleneck is not the language. PHP can be quick as long as you are not pegging your database, as you saw, right? Yeah, you moved sure. to PHP 8 yep. on a brand new exactly. server and you were still pegging exactly. your database because you were doing bad things to the database. Right. Yep. You know? That was totally limiting the um, limiting factor. The database, yeah, I thought for sure, like maybe, well, just fresh server, like PHP 8, like brand new everything, like, you know, we'll get everything cleaned up and it'll just be, it'll feel better, right? It's like, it's like when you re-image your Windows machine, right? Not so. It mm. was not so. Yeah. And so, you know, this is what, what we've seen with some of the performance optimizations that, that we've made with NPing me around, like moving from, moving our HTTP ingest from querying the database a couple of times to caching everything because, you know, we don't need to hit the database to know if the project exists. We don't care what the project is. We don't need the result of the project query. We just need to know, does this project exist? We can cache that value. It doesn't change. Yep. And when it does, we invalidate the cache and then, you know, we say the project doesn't exist. Um, and it's at that point that we can query the database. If it's not in the cache, okay, we need to go and look it up. Um, it's not in the cache because the project has been deleted. We return false and and then we cache that value. Um, you know, our bottleneck, Lam- uh, AWS Lambda, the HTTP, um, the HTTP Lambda that serves your web request, it can scale infinitely um, based on, you know, your wallet. So whether you're accepting 10 simul- simultaneous connections or, or 500 simultaneous connections, you know, we will routinely see hourly five, 600 connections hitting us at once. But we're still using the, the smallest MySQL instance, which can only handle 85 database connections at once. Now, if each of those 600 HTTP requests are all trying to establish a connection to your database that can only take 85 connections at once. What's going to happen? Yeah, you're done. So we're out of connections. You need to. So you know we can have an unlimited influx of of connectivity to those endpoints. Um, and then we 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 essentially limit concurrency to our database by the number of queue workers we have. So, you know, it might take a few seconds to get through everything in that backlog once once it's there. But we can say, okay, we'll only let 40 things touch the database at a time, which gives us headroom for, you know, those processes to be completed. But for someone to be vi- visiting the dashboard and looking at some st- statistics there as well. So um, in in my experience, the database is going to be your limiting factor way, 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 way before your application code is going to be. Which is why something like eloquent performance patterns is such a great thing too, right? Like it is um, it is super important. Like certainly like reducing the assets on your page load, right, is important too, right? Like you don't want to have super heavy pages, mm-hmm. especially if you're doing like marketing stuff. Um, but a lot of people spend an insane amount of time trying to reduce their footprint on like the download side of thing on the front end, but like never spend any time tuning performance of their MySQL queries or anything like that. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, yeah. Or they, or they just look at like one of the things that Jonathan pointed out, which is really important too, is it's not simply just the number of queries that you're running. If you look at debug bar and just, Oh, I'm running only four queries. No big deal. It is also the number of models you're hydrating, right? Which is something, it's another metric that if you don't pay mm-hmm. attention to, it can sort of bite you. So. Yeah, man. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah, I saw a I saw a tweet. There was like Notion, Notion's design team yeah. or something 
without a tweet. They're like, yeah. yeah, we reduced our, our marketing page from nine megabytes of JavaScript to 800 what kilobytes or something. It's like, how, how did you have nine megabytes yeah. of, of JavaScript? Did you forget to like minify your build or something? It's, it's they were like, I've never seen somebody celebrate like 900K of JavaScript. They're like, until you see how much they reduced it, right? It's like... <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah, it's ninety percent reduction. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, okay, well, that makes a bit more sense. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you don't have noticed like you ever use like uh, Lighthouse or Page Speed to kind of try and figure out like how well a page is performing or sort of what you need to do to kind of increase. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I've used that a couple times, and like no matter how many times you optimize your images, it will always tell you to optimize your images more. <laughs> well, so I use Cloudinary for that. So I use Cloudinary, and then I put it on WebP. So I like I say auto deliver the best format for the particular browser that is that is downloading the images, and so it'll send down WebP if it can, mm-hmm. and if it can't, then it'll send down JPEG, like an optimized version of JPEG, whatever. But I've got it to quit complaining for that. So I've gotten really like close to hundred on some of these sites. But like if I use Tailwind and I use Cloudinary, I can get pretty dang close to hundred on mm-hmm. on that stuff. But um, I have never found a WordPress site that does better than like seventy, like. I, I, even, mm. I think even like CSS Tricks, which is like, you know, Chris Coyer, Dave Rupert, and I'm calling those guys out. Chris and Dave, if you want to call them, come on the show sometime, we'd, we'd welcome you. But, um, you know, those sites are, that's a WordPress site. Uh, and I think it got pretty horrible rating on, on, um, mm. on uh, Lighthouse. It's because WordPress injects so much it's, stuff. That's in, what I'm saying. Yeah, that's kind of so what I'm saying. It's, it's like, it feels like even the, the even mm. the most knowledgeable WordPress developers are still going to have a really hard time getting the performance of that app to be anything near decent for users because it's just it just feels like garbage. Like all the stuff they have to load in. I, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Maybe some WordPress developer can come on here and tell me I'm wrong. But it just seems like the number of plugins that you have um, grows yeah. and then the, everything's loading its own maybe there's a way to optimize that. i don't know maybe cloudflare you know can handle or can help with yeah, that i think i think the i think the biggest thing for like wordpress is is just caching the heck out of it yeah um you know putting it behind cloudflare or putting it behind like wp cache engine or whatever i know that till he's got like some redis oh yeah 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 um thing and like he's doing some crazy fast you know wordpress sites there using that that sort of solution um so i think you know just wordpress is built up over a long period of time with just plugins and and it's ease of use for like the the business people as opposed to developers um and perhaps the the kind of developer that wordpress attracts is not not like the the programming purist it's just you know the the kinds of people that are just putting sites together for those businesses so that those businesses can then just have a presence online. Yeah. And that's to take nothing away from those people, right? They're, they've got um, solid business models and, and they're doing good good work to, to, to make that stuff happen. But, you know, us over here with our artisanal Laravel exactly. applications yeah. that we're crafting from scratch and we're, and we're, you know, agonizing over, you know, milliseconds in terms of database performance and things like that, a different breed of sort of um developer and so you know the solution to a lot of the the wordpress problems is is caching you know um a lot of that that content doesn't change often you publish a page and then and it's done so yeah put it behind some page level caching it doesn't need to do too much you know even 
even us now, you know, David David Hemphill redid his his blog recently, and it's like what you put on Netlify or something like that. It's just a you know, yeah, static site. Exactly. Generate some HTML, spit yep. it out. There's your page. Like you want it to load instantly. Yeah. No one, no one needs it to be, um, you know, big and exciting. So many people, you know, Statomic is is huge because it writes everything to flat files and it serves them instantly because there's there's no connections to the database. It's not doing anything crazy. It's just here's some statically rendered HTML. Yep. You know, caching. The circle caching is complete. In, in if the, if there's one thing that I've learned from Ben Pingmi, right, is that caching is the the answer to so many of your optimization questions. Yep. Really. Yep. Very true. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just spend some time uh, working on some caching stuff. I think so. Like those, you know, how often do those results actually need to be updated? Like, and the thing is, I don't even really have to. If I can't contri- if I can't reduce the frequency of those API requests, I can still reduce the frequency of how hard, how long I it is between when I'm hitting my database or not. Just wrap it in a cache, mm. cache yeah. remember, and yep. set an expiration time on it. And then once the expiration is up, then it'll run it again. No big deal. So, yeah, pretty nice. Laravel Look makes that, that really Laravel makes that really handy. What's that now? Look at that slow, slow query yes, log. Figure yes, out yes. what's slow. Fix that. Then cache. Don't, don't, don't cache as a way to sweep under the rug database performance issues. Yeah. Fix the performance issues. Then cache, and and you're not caching because of the slowness. You're caching because that data doesn't need to be regenerated when ten people, twenty people hit the same dashboard at every minute yep exactly right? it only needs to be set once and and figure out do do you need for that data to be refreshed every minute or is it okay that it's every five minutes or every 10 minutes or every 15 minutes you know yeah yeah we've got we've got an intranet page that we have at work and i cached the heck out of that thing like anything that was making a database query like like you said, basically, if it didn't need to change, which most a lot of the stuff didn't like, it's like grab all the top mm-hmm. links uh, from this database and, you know, dependent on how frequently the user clicks them. And then, you know, and I cache that for like the entire day. Like it doesn't matter like that much. Like if you click another couple of times mm-hmm. a day and the order changes, you don't need, doesn't, doesn't matter. Right. So when they come to that page, there's pretty much like zero database queries that need to happen ever. Um, yeah. or if there's something that changes relatively frequently instead of like, okay, like if there is a, uh, like we, like status, like we have like a status board. So it's like, if the phones are down for some reason, right, we can report to everybody immediately before they go to create a ticket. It's like, Hey, by the way, we're aware the phones are down. You know, we know what's going on. Check the status page if you need. So the intranet hits the API for that status page. And we want that to update relatively quickly. And so we update it every minute, but not everybody needs to hit that API endpoint every time they reload the page, right? It's just load it once a minute in the background and then show it to the people on the front end. So the front end never, you know, nobody ever gets the penalty of doing it. We just warm, we just basically rewarm the cache every minute in the background. Um, and yeah. so that works pretty well. Works pretty well. Hey, dude, listen, I, I am, uh, I'm getting freaking sleepy over here we've been going for almost an hour so i'm gonna say we're gonna draw this one to a close yeah, here good. let's okay it. let's um i've a i've a new desk i don't know if you can see it behind it's it's hidden behind that the sweet sweet laricon. yeah i saw that the sweet laricon towel it was awesome or well, not towel it's a it's a throw blanket oh, yeah. which of course it arrived now at the end of our <laughs> our cold period um but it's well because we're heading into spring right? right so it was nice weather all this week and now it's raining. 
Uh, and it's supposed to rain until Thursday, and it's going to be warm on, on Thursday, and then it's going to be cold for the next week and a bit. And then it's basically just like 20 degrees Celsius for the rest of September. So I'm, I'm hanging out for that. But um, yeah, under, under that throw rug is uh, my new desk. Nice. So oh, yeah. my brother's going to come and give me a hand. I've finally got my, like, I've got a big corner desk, and I didn't want to sacrifice the corner desk um, to get a, a standing desk. But I have got work sent me a, a standing sit stand, like motorized corner desk. Nice, so I've got that's to awesome. what are you gonna do take with that everything one? off of this one and, and set everything up. Uh, well, I was going to give it to my brother cause he's about to move into his new house, but Ree has decided she would like to keep it cause she's going to be working from home more. Oh, gotcha. So this is going nice. into the, into the front room where she's set up at the moment. So he's, he's coming to give me a hand in a bit. So I need to clear all my stuff off and start disassembling this desk. Nice. Hey, that sounds fun, man. Have a good time with that. Enjoy. Sweet. Yeah. All right, man. Sounds good. Yeah, cheers. This was episode 103. You can find show notes for this episode at northmeetsouth.audio slash 103. If you liked the show, we'd appreciate it. If you'd rate it up in your podcatcher of choice, five stars would be amazingly appreciated. And hit us up on Twitter at Michael Jordan at Jacob Bennett uh, or at North South Audio. Hey, folks, until next time, we will see you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.